Amen. Thank you, choir. Well done. If you've had any exposure to the news at all over the last 10 days or so, then you are the Alaska Airlines flight that had a door plug blow out as it was climbing through 16,000 feet, resulting in an explosive decompression of the cabin. The fact that no one was seriously injured or killed in that event is quite miraculous when you think about it. There were 178 passenger seats on the plane. 171 of them were filled, and yet the seats right next to the hull breach were unoccupied. The plane was still climbing when it happened, so everyone on the plane was still wearing their seat belt. If the plane had been at cruising altitude, not only would some passengers likely not have been belted in, but the pressure differential would have been even higher, resulting in an even more explosive decompression, as well as the time of useful consciousness would have been much shorter. The higher one gets, the shorter it becomes until it's but a matter of seconds. That would have caused oxygen starvation with brain damage, even death for at least some passengers. And if that were not all, that door plug that blew out weighed over 60 pounds. It could have struck a control surface on the tail and crashed the airplane, or it could have fallen through someone's house on the ground and killed someone, and yet it landed harmlessly in the backyard of a science teacher. So we thank God for protecting all of those folks and for safeguarding them from injury and death. But why doesn't God always protect everyone? He's omnipotent, so He has the power to do it. But God is also omniscient, meaning He knows everything. He sees the the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. God knows things that we can't possibly know. And so there are times, many times in fact, that we don't understand God and what He is doing. But the Bible teaches that we can and should still trust God. And when He tells us to do something, even when we don't understand, Obedience is the right and proper response. This morning we're going to look at two examples of obeying God without understanding when it didn't make sense and how God blessed the obedience of those who had the faith and the courage to do what He asked them to do. Our text is in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to look at the first of that chapter. And if you are able and willing, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the Scripture this morning. The Bible tells us, beginning in verse 1, <clears throat> Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, 
east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Thank you. Please take your seats. Now verse 1 of chapter 17 is the very first appearance of the prophet Elijah in all of the Bible. And the assignment that he had apparently received from God was not an enviable one to say the least. God had apparently told Elijah to go before King Ahab, an evil and wicked king, and tell him that there was going to be a long extended drought. And that would certainly not have been welcome news to Ahab. And just in case you've forgotten how evil Ahab was, back in chapter 16 near the end it says that Ahab made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. He was an evil king and when God told Elijah to go speak to him, it had to have gotten Elijah's attention. But he went nevertheless, didn't he? Well, after the delivering the message, God gave Elijah a different command, and that one was much more easily understood, I'm sure. He said, Elijah, go hide. <laughs> and he was eager to obey that one, certainly, to get out there in the in the wilderness to hide from the king. But then in verse 4, things start to get a little strange. God says, you will drink from the brook in the middle of a drought, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. Now that's God's command too, to drink from the brook and to eat what the ravens brought him. Now that ravine spoken of, the Kerith Ravine, it can't be identified today. 
because it was probably one of those that just ran during the rainy season and dried up afterward. Elijah had just prophesied a drought, so how was this ravine going to run with water so Elijah could drink? Could Elijah depend on God to quench his thirst even in the middle of a drought? God also told Elijah that the ravens would feed him. I wonder if Elijah had to chuckle at that one. The ancients thought of ravens as birds that would often neglect their own young. In fact, over in Job, chapter 38, where God begins to question Job, there is this verse, Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? And these ravens, these stingy, selfish ravens, apparently, were going to bring Elijah food to eat? Well, it would have been understandable to question God's instruction to hide in the ravine. It wouldn't have made much sense to the natural mind what God was telling Elijah to do and what God was going to do for him. And yet Elijah didn't question God's command. In verse 5 it says, So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. He did what God asked him to do. He took God at His word even though it must have been hard to believe what God was saying to him. After all, how incredible is it that ravens were going to be bringing him food? That command didn't quite make sense and yet Elijah obeyed. Elijah was faithful. And God rewarded Elijah's obedience. In verse 6 it says, They did what God commanded the ravens to do. They brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Not just once a day did he eat, but morning and evening God took care of him. Now what a testimony Elijah had at that point. Can you imagine getting up on a testimony night at the church sometime and, and starting to tell this story? God told me once to go hide out in a, in a ravine and the ravens would feed me. And guess what? God did it. It's quite a testimony that he had there because he did what God asked him to do. He got to see God's miraculous provision in his life because he had the courage and the faith to obey God. And here we are, almost 3,000 years later, reading about it. And unless Christ returns 3,000 years from now, people will be reading about it. That's what God does for those who are willing to trust Him and obey Him. Those are the things that can happen in the lives of those who obey God, even when they don't understand God, when it doesn't seem to make sense or add up. Has God ever asked you to obey Him in something that didn't make sense to you? Well, in fact, He has. You may just not realize it. For example, Jesus tells His followers to bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Have you ever done that? Doesn't seem to make sense, does it? That's not how human beings respond to people who curse us and mistreat us and persecute us. But if you've ever tried it, 
you understand why that would be commanded. That's what God does, and there's a reason God does that. If you've tried it, you know. Or how about God's command to tithe, to give a, a tenth of our income to God's work through His church? We would think, well, God, I'm barely making it as it is. I've got bills coming. How am I going to do that? And yet those who have tried it and those who practice it will tell you that they live better on the 90% left than they ever did on the 100% beforehand. Some of the things God commands us to do don't necessarily add up to us. We don't fully understand why, but God knows things we don't know, we can't know. And all He asks us to do is trust Him and obey Him, and God will bless. We could cite a lot of other examples of similar kinds of things, but before we go any further, let me issue one quick caveat. Not every impulse that you have that doesn't make sense is a command of God, okay? Not everything you think that uh, you ought to do, crazy as it may sound, actually comes from God. Don't try to justify foolishness by saying God told you to do it, and then blame God when your foolishness comes back to bite you. Uh, there, there is a need to ensure that what you are hearing is indeed the voice of God. You need to confirm that by going into His Word. You need to confirm that by conferring with His people. But if God does tell you to do something, whether it makes sense to you or not, and you're sure it's the voice of God, then you are wise to obey and wise to trust. What if Elijah hadn't done that? What if he had said, God, you've got to be crazy. Ravens don't do things like that. If I go out there, I'll starve to death. God, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't, that doesn't compute. What else have you got? What else can you offer me? Surely there's something better. If Elijah were that kind of person, we would never have heard of Elijah. One of the greatest prophets of the Scriptures would have faded into the dustbins of history without us ever having heard his name. But Elijah was a man of faith. What did Elijah think when that brook finally did dry up? In verse 7, did he say, See there, God, I knew this was going to happen. Why'd you tell me to come out here in the desert if I was just going to die of thirst out here? No, Elijah didn't do that either. Elijah's trust in God was strong. God had always taken care of Elijah in the past, and he knew that. He knew that God was going to take care of him in the moment, and that God was going to take care of him in the future as well. And God did that, as we see in the next verses, when the brook dried up. We also see that Elijah isn't the only one who obeyed God when it didn't make sense, when it didn't add up. There's a widow in this story. God told Elijah in verse 9 to go to Zarephath, where God had commanded a widow, it says. Commanded a widow to feed Elijah. Now, the story isn't narrated from the widow's perspective, so we don't know the details of how God communicated His desires to the widow. But we are told how things developed after Elijah got to town. Apparently, through God's direction, Elijah asked this woman for some bread to eat. First, he asked her for a drink, and when she agreed and went to get it, 
Perhaps that was the sign that he was looking for, that this was the right one. And he asked her for bread. And she replied, I barely got any. Barely enough to feed my son and myself one last meal. And then we've got nothing. We're just going to be waiting to die. But Elijah told her not to be afraid. To trust. To make him a piece of bread out of the small amount she had, and then God would take care of her. Now this lady was not an Israelite. That's why in verse 12 she speaks to Elijah and says, As surely the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. She wasn't an Israelite, she was a Gentile, but she apparently recognized Elijah as someone who spoke for God. And the request Elijah made was unreasonable in that the widow didn't even have enough flour and oil to feed herself. They were starving themselves, and the drought was affecting everybody, even them. What sense would it make to feed this crazy Israelite when her own family was starving? And did she know that this was the guy who had prophesied the drought in the first place? She could have blamed it all on him if she had known. The reason they were suffering was that drought, but she didn't. She had every reason not to obey, but she obeyed anyway. Would someone like that make a request of us in this day and time, we'd be immediately skeptical, wouldn't we? We'd think, this guy's just trying to talk us out of our last morsel, and then he's going to go on down the street and take advantage of some other poor widow. Because there are people in our world who do that very thing, aren't there? There were people in her world who would have done that very thing too, I'm sure. But she obeyed God's word through Elijah. Now you might say, well, if she was going to die anyway, she didn't have much to lose. So if Elijah was telling the truth in verse 14... She had a lot to gain. Well, maybe so. But put yourself in her situation. How easy would it have been to believe what he was saying? Any reasonable person would have had to question, would have had to doubt. It took a lot of faith for that woman to believe God's promise through Elijah and obey. And yet she did. She did exactly that. And she is mentioned in the New Testament as well. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, Jesus speaks of this widow. He is speaking in his first public appearance, if you will, his, the beginning of his public ministry in his own hometown. He says, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. I assure you there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And he says, There were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. You see, Jesus sensing the the resistance and the unbelief of those in his hometown cited two instances in which God's prophets ministered miraculous signs of grace to Gentiles while Israel was in unbelief. 
This Gentile widow in Zarephath trusted God, obeyed Him when it didn't make any sense to do so. And look what happened. God took care of her. God fed her and her son, her family. In fact, beyond that, if you read further, her son later got sick and died, and Elijah was instrumental in, in beseeching God to give the boy back to his widowed mother, and God did it. How could that have ever happened if she had not fed Elijah at the very first when God commanded? If she hadn't obeyed God, she and her son would both have starved. I wonder how many professing believers today are spiritually starving because God has asked for their obedience in some way that they can't completely understand and so they haven't obeyed. Is it possible you might be one of them? Spiritually dying because you can't understand why God would ask you to do what God is asking you to do. The Bible is full of examples of people who trusted God and obeyed Him when every ounce of reason in their beings was telling them they were crazy to do so. Abraham is one of the earliest examples. God called him to leave his home in Genesis 12 to go to a place that God would show him, and Abraham was obedient. He packed up everything and went. And then in chapter 22 of Genesis, God asked Abraham to prepare his son Isaac for sacrifice. And Abraham did it. And, and God spared Isaac at the very last moment. Abraham believed God. He was willing to do what God asked him to do, even though he couldn't possibly have understood why. A shepherd boy named David stood up to a giant Philistine named Goliath when no one would have ever expected he could possibly be victorious. Elijah believed God would send ravens to feed him. A widow in Zarephath gave up a part of her last little bit of food she had to feed an itinerant prophet. And God cared for both of them. God saved them both. And then, of course, a young man named Jesus willingly died on a cross because it was his heavenly Father's will for the redemption of the world. When God asks you to trust Him, when God asks you to obey Him, you may not always understand. But if you'll just trust Him and obey Him anyway, God will do remarkable things in your life. Elijah did so. You can too. Let's pray. Father, we don't always understand what you are doing in our world or even in our own lives. But we know, God, and confess that you have always cared for us. You have always kept us in your protection. And God, we have every reason to believe that you will continue to do so. You tell us in your word not to be afraid. At every turn, you say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God, may we learn to trust you as Elijah did, as this poor widow did, as so many others in the pages of Scripture have. May we trust you and lean on you even though the future is uncertain, even though the world becomes more confusing with each day that passes.
And Father, even if we pass from this life, may we be confident in the trust and the knowledge and the faith that we are safe with you whether we live or whether we die. God, give us the courage to act on that faith in this world in which we live. God, that you might be lifted up, that you might draw all people unto yourself. God, make it so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.